Change agent through ministry. Groomed for service. U.S. Army veteran, Sonia Vaird. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Urban Christian Veterans provides a safe place for Christian veterans of color to discuss the challenges you face in your daily lives. Being a person of color has its challenges. Being a Christian has its challenges. Being a veteran has its challenges. All of those factors being combined makes for a unique and sometimes difficult life experience that is seldom talked about in public forums. Thank you for tuning in to the Urban Christian Veterans Podcast. Here's your host, D. Allen Rose. Thank you, Aaron, for that wonderful introduction. This is D. Allen Rose, and you are listening to the Urban Christian Veterans Podcast. So before we get too far into this, uh, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? So I am an Army veteran. Back in the day, female service member, I was one of three women in a battalion of over 900 men, um, where the fire guard duty was to guard the room of the females. The military actually poured such a foundation that when I left active duty, transitioning into corporate America was uh, seamless because their nonsense in corporate was nothing like the nonsense I'd left. So I was quite successful in the transition, um, being able to just draw from everyday tools. And uh, those, those tools actually shaped not just the professional element of who I am, but it also shaped the characteristics that are so simplistic, but so necessary. Humility, respect, honor. Those are things that you can't put a price on because you need them everywhere you go. So those things carried me through corporate. They pushed me to be more than I was, wherever I was. Milestones and goals were something that became very important. It wasn't enough just to get a promotion. Much like making rank in the military, the incentive was to climb that ladder, becoming more successful, developing leadership, and having the respect because the hierarchy, chain of command, is driven by respect. You could be as dumb as a box of rocks, but if you are E8, E9, or an officer, that automatically by default makes you smarter than anyone below you. So the characteristics of wanting more, uh, being better, being an overachiever are some of the things that have made me who I am. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you said something there that touched me. I know some some bag of rocks <laughs> that had some <laughs> that had some high rank. And uh so yeah, I get that. And yeah, I had to by default show them respect and but anyway. I don't know, that was a flashback. You said it and it just took me there. But anyway. So if you could go back to the day that you got out of the service. Um, and run into your, your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self about how society would treat you as an urban Christian veteran? One of the things I would tell my younger self is be okay without shrinking. I recognize that there were people who were attempting to harness who I was destined and purposed to be. Everyone doesn't have the ability to push back and push back politically correct. So why became a one-word showstopper? If you couldn't give me an explanation to your directions, to your opinion, 
to your instructions for me to do something, then I was not going to accept that. I was going to talk to somebody else. Pissed a lot of people off along the way, but all my life I've never been interested in a popularity contest. Um, Mission driven. And I truly believe that my younger self was misunderstood because uh, you just couldn't tell me two and two was four. I needed to understand why. So my younger self were at times doubted myself. And if I could tell her something, it would be, we all have an indicator that God has given us. And it's in the pit of your belly. And if something doesn't feel right, whether you are 15, 18, 25, 55, that indicator is a gift. And the gift is actually to protect you from being misled, being misinformed. And when you can stand on that respectfully, a person who can't answer a basic question, then you have the, the right to question the leadership. And that's not just in the military, except you're on a college campus. A professor tells you, uh, no, you can't. Why? And if they're not able to articulate something that resonates with you and satisfies the thing that created the question in you, um, you observe the right to be inquisitive. Fortunately for me, my younger me was so inquisitive, it needed to be medicated because no was not where, where you started, but I would walk you back to yes as an 18-year-old. And I know that that is not a characteristic normally because there are so many people who are shut down uh, with just no. I had a mentor once say to me, you have the ability with the tongue to either uplift or to annihilate a person. There's some younger us who've been annihilated to the point we stop trusting us. And when you stop trusting yourself, that, that you lose that innate desire to push the envelope. So I believe in pushing the envelope. So many people were damaged during that developmental stage in our younger selves because the wrong people were given authority over our mental, emotional, and physical being. And some of us never recovered. You know, a lot of people who listen to this wouldn't know that you and I go back some years. And one of the things that I've always given you credit for to a few people who have listened to me is that asking the question why. When we did work together, I was at a point where I had not yet been evaluated diagnosed, whatever you want to call it. And I give you credit for recognizing that. And given our positions, having the courage to tell me I need to go talk to somebody. Now, I didn't listen at first. I'm going to be, be honest about it. Um, but I give you that credit because not a lot of people, in fact, I don't think I can, I can look back and think of at that time, anybody else who had the courage to ask why, first of all, Notice that there was something a little off and then ask the question and to take it a step further to give advice. And I, you know, you were you were really, really nice about it. And it wasn't until years later when I finally did take you up on um, take your advice and I did walk away with a diagnosis. I always thought back, man, if I would have listened to her <laughs> years prior, but you know, you had that ability, you had that. I guess, as you, you put it, I didn't, I didn't know how to articulate it, but the mere fact that you 
you would recognize something wasn't quite right. Ask why. And you took it a step further and you acted on it and you said something. And that always stayed in the back of my mind until it finally pushed me to go and talk to someone, as you put it. And when I did, you were the first person that popped into my head. Man, she she saw that. And I wish I was I kind of understand now why I didn't. But right, I, I just wish I would have taken you up on that. So. Again, I thank you for that, because without that push, I don't know if I would have ever gone down that path. So thank you. Well, obedience is better than sacrifice. Oftentimes, I mean, God speaks to everyone, but for whatever reason, whether we've been shut down or we don't trust that gut feeling to to say something, to speak to someone, to encourage them, we sometimes miss an opportunity. And in my walk, I get up every day now. I'm like, put me in, coach. I mean, I put on the whole outfit, the armor, the uh, the helmet, because I don't want to miss an opportunity of having an encounter, which is a part of an assignment. Now, we've not been together as co-workers in many, many moons, but there was always a gravitational pull. I always thought that you were just so deep in thoughts. It's like, strap up let the ride begin the Monday morning meetings was like Jesus I mean we start out at a hundred where are we going to end up by Friday but there was also a gravitational attraction to how methodical and how poised and how deliberate you operated which I knew served as a feeding for those that you had been entrusted with So you were like the shepherd, but God had me to see past certain things that I was drawn to. I'm like, because nobody should be this poised every day, but you were. Vulnerability was not something anyone would ever see. And the softer you spoke, I wanted to make a public service announcement. Please beware, there's no good can come from this. If he gets to a whisper, this is not going to work out well for any of us assembled here. So your mannerism was always that of a gentleman, a teacher. You didn't speak if it wasn't relevant. And that's what people sometimes miss. It's okay to be the sleeper in the room. It's okay uh, to just be the observer, to take in the knowledge. But most people sometimes want to give knowledge that's not filtered. It's not relevant. Um, it's not pertinent. And um, you, you disconnect from your audience. Every day I ask God, allow me to be a teacher. Allow me to put forth only those things that I know are from you, of you. Uh, let me leave people better than I found them. And when you have a accountability to yourself to be responsible, um, I take leadership very seriously, but I take my Christian leadership. That goes before me. So anything on my watch sits beneath the umbrella of my principles, my belief in God. Um, you know, Thus says the word. So my barometer has shifted from my younger me because in my younger me, um, I, w- I, I am still a direct descendant of Peter. Um, God knows how he made me. Back then, I I would step away from God, get with you, straighten you out in the flesh, come back, repent, commune myself, and uh, say, okay, God, I'm you know, back on track. You can use me again. As I've gotten older, 
<laughs> right on. As I've gotten older, Peter's reformed. P- Peter actually has discipline. Peter's responsible. Mm. Peter's compassionate. Peter's humility is more important than being right or wrong. I'd rather sit down and it's just not that important if it's going to cost me your relationship, if it's going to cause me to use the annihilation of the tongue to destroy you, which when I came through the line, they were out of a whole lot of stuff, cooking, singing, dancing, arts, and crafts. I only have this one dusty box. It's oratorical. That being the case, I can pray to paint off a wall or I can t- t- talk you to put that back in you, put it back, put it back in the glove compartment on your holster. You don't want that. You just don't. And I'm grateful because I've had opportunities as a leader in corporate to be able to bring the principles and teachings of God that I'd rather be out of favor in the world than ever out of the will of God. And with time, you develop something with yourself that you, you don't need anybody to check you. You don't need top to tell you what are you doing, what are you thinking. Um, I say the analogy I use is I'm at a stage in my life, I'm in betwixt and between. My grandparents that have gone before me, they're tired. I'm in the middle. Their arms are outreached with the baton. Then there's that group coming behind us that scares the bejeebas out of me. The millennials and the other ones, um, they have no fear. So being a bridge that you can take the lessons of um, yesterday's and make them relevant today. In order to do that, you've had to operate with an empty vessel that it's clear of your clutter. And it allows you to be available to be of service and a servant. Well said. Well said. And when you speak about the leadership in corporate. I, I'm curious to know, I don't want to make an assumption, but it's hard for me not to. Just given the demographic, you know, being a, a woman of color, being a Christian, also being a veteran that perhaps worked around a lot of non-veterans, and then trying to be a leader in that mix. Were there any difficulties that that would, I guess you could um, say, in any of those categories or was... Was it all a bed of roses and everything was good? Oh, no. Um, The first challenge was always, how did you get in here? Who did you know? I grew accustomed, particularly with an IT background, of having white males challenge, question, ask, create roadblocks, stumbling blocks as to who I was and how did I get a seat at the table. It wasn't easy but it was actually um, amusing because I didn't come in there. So I got to prove I got to be the smartest, the fastest. Um, I've got to have the most credentials. I've always believed I don't owe you an explanation. They asked all the questions in the interview and they chose me. One of my most difficult um, experiences was in Jacksonville, Florida. I had left Hewlett Packard and um, this company found me, lured me down there. And I had no idea that the emancipation had not reached. And this is 1999. So when I got there and um, the person who hired me was allowing a lot of sidebar chatter, but had not introduced me, one daring devil had the audacity to ask, was I filling in for the secretary? I said, I don't even know the secretary. Well, where are coffee and donuts? I said, I don't know, but I sure wish they'd hurry up and get here with him. So and he proceeded to say, yeah, who are you? And I looked to the person who hired me, who, again, 
red in the face. I'm thinking, you done brought me down here and you're afraid you might hire a minority? Okay, let me help you out. I proceeded to introduce myself that I was the new uh, network operations di uh, director um, and I was here to help turn this area of the business around. Again, he proceeded, gal, nobody told me this. I said, well, I said, before we proceed, I just want to make sure everyone's comfortable because it's so important that if we've got ground rules, that we all know what they are. I'm okay being gal as long as none of you fine gentlemen have a problem before I make my statement and preference you as boy. So as I waited for the pen to drop, I said, is there someone you'd like me to call for that coffee you known in? So that's one instance of everything I've been had already prepared me for everything I would encounter. So my tool belt is full with these life experiences because I'm thinking the military was the scariest place I've been. People in your face, yelling, screaming, cussing. I'm thinking, and if they didn't move me, then, then who are you, you know, in this next quarter of my life to do so? Awesome. You know, and I, I think what stands out to me about that is you mentioned your experiences gave you the tools for you to have in your tool belt to be able to deal with that where my mind went immediately is well, why you got to have a tool belt? You know what I mean? Like, like, why? right. <laughs> why, why is it, why is it that we have to be the ones with all the tools and you know, these jokers get to walk around tan up stuff, you know, anyway, let me. And you're absolutely right. Myself. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that we do, but imagine if we didn't, how many others wouldn't get through the door? So someone has mm. to go before you. Someone has to be that um, experiment that I'm so determined to, to, to teach you how to treat me that in teaching you how to treat me, I've given you a double lesson. I'm teaching you how to treat others. I, again, admire the fact that, you know, you, you were always one to carry yourself with uh, respect, with poise in the most difficult situations. That being said, what is the one thing people get wrong about you the most? What do you think that is? Oh, my temperament. I mean, I've had folks say, must you be so intense? I'm like, it depends on what's required, just like an oven. I can be 200 and warm. I can go to 350, but broil is an option as well. It just depends on what I'm baking. <laughs> what's required? That's that okay. adapt and adopt. Isn't that military? We learn how to adapt and adopt to the environments in which we operate. And it's okay to utilize whatever setting as long as you don't allow, because you, 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 you lose the game the minute you lose control. That's the game that I had to master with power. My, my mentor said to me, he came in as the cleaner. I was the only one reporting to this man in Jacksonville. He says, you find it strange that you're the only person reporting to me? I said, not at all. He said, um, well, I'm told that you really got a lot of men afraid of you, as they should be. I'm not a starter, but when they put me in, here's what the field looks like. We've got two strikes, bases are loaded, and they're counting on me to bring them all home, plus my run. So you can't bring me in for an assignment and then temper me down. You cannot tell me go get them tagger but then oh no when the tagger like there are gonna be some casualties but what i've learned through the years is it is more beneficial to cross the line with minimum casualties so that the success of whatever you've achieved is enjoyed by all but when you first start this race 
we take the assignment of life literally. Ain't no rules in how to. I'm like, young folks, they don't come for me unless I sent for you. And I don't remember calling any of y'all's name. Why are you present? Period. So I've learned how to temper that in a different way. I package it differently. The intensity that I use is one that I, I always admired in you because, again, it's silence. Silent people need to be recognized, sh should be respected. Um, silence is a whole statement. What I recognize is um, God does not require me to acknowledge foolishness. It's, it's okay just to shoulder shrug and keep it moving. <laughs> me and my girlfriend, Kim, keep it moving, have learned how to walk away from foolishness. Given the last few years of life, when I think about what I give energy or credence to, it's got to make sense. The loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, living in a time not seen even by our forefathers. There's so much that's different that if we allow this distraction, and this is what the enemy does, he swoops in with distraction because if he can cause you to shift gears, take your eyes off of the assignment, then he has the opportunity to change the assignment, shift your focus, and derail you. So I have gotten pretty good at does this require my attention? And then I also know that sometimes God, as I said, who has a sense of humor will just throw in, throw in a, let me just, let me throw her a curveball. Let me see, because how do you know faith works if it's never tested? We can walk around every day saying, oh, the Lord is good and been good to me. And I am so blessed. And I mean, but let a little trouble come your way. And yet, oh, Lord, how are you going to let this happen to me? And I ask the question now, why not me? I just received a diagnosis a month ago, no, six weeks ago. Um, that's an uncurable. It's um, a blockage to my brain. And everyone who knows me, I'm like, I'm on 100 every day. So people are like, oh, you want to slow down. Well, why would I change the formula that's made me me? Why would I downshift at a time that I need to show God if nothing else, I stand on your problem. You're a healer. So the only thing this meant is now I had to speed up because I don't know how much time I got. And that being the case, it became an example. When God told me at the hospital, and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. We went in to rewire your vessels, but the other side is worse than the side we wanted to go work on. But you're walking, living, breathing miracle. And I'm thinking, well, I know that I've been called. I've been an officer in the army for a long time. So God gave me 24 hours of flesh. He said, now you got to be prepared because the people who will understand your walk and your level of faith are going to be flabbergasted. And then they're going to be trying to talk you into being something I didn't call you to be. So I spent 24 hours trying to figure out how do I share with family and friends? And I sent a message out saying, I'm not soliciting prayers. Here's what I'm dealing with. But what I am asking you to do, if you've got anything that's not right in your life, fix it. You got a relative you ain't talked to in 20 years, fix it. You are a spouse or a significant other apology, fix it. You know you're not giving your absolute best on the job, but yet you're complaining, but you want more out of the job, fix it. I use that as a stepping stone, as a reality check that in an instance, I went from balance issues, seeing neurologists for two years to finding somebody had a diagnosis. I'm like, well, thank God, about time. Because see, now having a name, I can speak dominion and authority. That's my level of belief. Instead of questioning, well, why me? No, why not me? I only get the big ticket items. Mm. So as we grow, you want to be that one he chooses. 
so that you can show yourself faithful. He said, you know, it, it is your faith that will sustain you. So I have two conditions that every morning I get up, I'm like, y'all ain't staying home. I mean, you moved into the wrong house if you're thinking uh, I'm a flannel pajama, covers over my head, curtains drawn. No, no, no. We got things to do. I need y'all to get in that backseat strap up because he gave you to me and I can't have anything happening to you. Not many people look at life that way. But for me, I'm busy. I'll be mm. that person uh, when it's my time. He's going to have to call. You get a knock on your door, Dennis. Don't be surprised. You see Sonia? He's going to be looking for me because I'm going to be in these streets. And when he does find me, I'm going to give him the index finger. Give me a minute. I got something to wrap up. I'm going to go, but just give me a minute. It's how I choose to live life. How I want the world to see me as an encourager, a supporter, a champion. That's where the, the ministry that I develop is it's the strength of a woman, but it's the strength of a man waiting to exhale, uh, waiting for change, needing to pivot and turn around. Whatever it is, you can decide at whatever given time you've made peace with yourself. Right on. Well, two things. First, we're going to touch and agree today that he is a healer. He is. And that uh, is all that needs to be said about that. Because we understand, we have faith, and uh, we're also going to get with your your friend Kim, and we're going to keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving, absolutely. I wish, I wish I would have, I would have met Kim uh, <laughs> back in the day. I know, right? I I just wish I would have because uh, I have to say that that's another thing that I have to you know admit I admire about you because unfortunately. And you may remember, I didn't have that gift of keeping <laughs> keeping it moving. And me, I, I things would things would come up, and instead of me keeping it moving, I would. It was like a shiny object to me. Like, oh yeah, oh really? Well, let's talk about that. You know, <laughs> and it became right. a, it became a. I don't know. It was just the thing thing with me. I in my older older days, I I know better now, but back then. I didn't know Kim like that. Uh, but you were a teacher and you were a counsel. You were doing something on this level, but up close and personal. People trusted you because when you spoke, it made sense. It was based on something. It sat on something greater than you. People left with their why being answered. And you would minimize that because you would listen but you heard maybe the first four or five words, something in the middle, and then the ending. And then you were ready to give them solution because, again, what they were dealing with in your mind is this small stuff. So your gift was at work in a capacity that you didn't give yourself enough credit. You were busy fixing everybody else. But no one recognized that there was some brokenness in you. No one got to see behind the curtains. And for whatever reason, I'm thinking, God, this man don't even speak unless he's in front of a form. So let me get this straight. You want me to go across the hallway to his office and say, so have you been to the VA? <laughs> like, just want to make sure I, I understand clearly because not knowing him from a can of paint, um, I don't want the response to be a visceral uh, return because no one, again, thought that they had anything that they could add value to you. 
So you were depleted constantly, which became a distraction to you, which delayed you seeking help for yourself that you even before you even realized, you know, I'm here helping everybody sustain um, and, and I don't have a lifeline. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that you were, like I said, receptive in your time. Because again, when you plant the seed, there is no designated time that it will grow. It when, It's when you're ready to water it. Mm, right on. Yeah, you said something just then. <laughs> anyway, yeah, those were some fun days. So let me ask you this. Is there is there anything you wish I would have asked you? And if so, what and how would you answer? Yeah, I wish you had asked. When did you know you were broken? When you knew you were messed up? You were different. Uh, that's a defining moment in time. I mean, you know, I wish someone had asked me because I would have said, you know what? I always knew something wasn't quite right, but nobody asked, so I didn't tell. We grew up in an era where don't ask, don't tell. So look okay, be okay, and if you're not, pretend to be okay. But that's that's a question I wish more people would ask. When did you know there's something off? There's something different. Um, when did you get tired of being misunderstood? That that was probably the biggest. I mean, when someone asks you, are you always pissed off? No, not generally, but only when necessary. And as a woman serving in the military, that had to be often because the people who would be challenging me were males. So the military, I think, prepares you to not be a chump. And as a woman in the workplace in the 80s, in the 90s, um, women were there for decoration. Women were present to meet quotas. Um, uh, women were, were present to show that equality existed in an organization. We weren't there for our worth. We weren't there for our knowledge. We weren't there for our worth. Okay, well, as we've come to the end of this, I always give people an opportunity to speak on current events. And right now, the big current event in the news are mass shootings. So what we're hearing out of D.C. or Washington is they're proposing various solutions to the issue of mass shootings, such as mandatory background checks, uh, raising the legal age for AR style rifles, uh, banning AR style rifles altogether. So what are your thoughts, overall thoughts about the mass shooting situation? So the mass shooting situation is so alarming, so disturbing. Um, when I think about the lack of responsibility that's been tied to these weapons, I can remember in the military, we had M16s. When we got to Desert Storm and Desert Shield, Desert Storm, we beat ourselves. We didn't even have, as the armed forces, that level of equipment. For a civilian who they keep talking about the protected amendment and rights, when you're using that, you're using that to actually um, not just maim, because you want to protect yourself, your, your property, your family. You're doing more than just maiming a person. When they tell the story about some of the young children who were just killed in Texas, that because of where the bullet entered, they were not recognizable. What need do we have to have something so deadly in just our everyday lives? I believe that the system 
started out with good intentions of a citizen, private citizen being able to protect and defend themselves and property. But somewhere along the way, no one kept an auditor or a barometer to, are we killing more civilians than we are in the military? The reform needs to go further than background checks. The, the reform really, to me, needs to go back to the manufacturer. Arsenals that create that level of deadliness in such a short period of time. Is there ever an instance that you are going to have that many people you need to kill at one time? I think we're skirting around the real issues to come up with a feel-good solution that will temper this issue for another five years, ten years, before it'll ever be touched. Because when you look at it, if this isn't a soft shoe dance, I don't know what is. Okay. Well, listen, first, thank you again for the uh, advice you gave me back in the day and suggesting that, uh, that maybe I should go talk to somebody. Um, despite the the reservations that you had, I'm glad you came over and, and said something. I wish I would have been more receptive and did something at that time. But uh, I think you caught me at the stage in life where I still had a little bit of bulletproofness in me. Right. And thought maybe <laughs> I thought, thought maybe I'd, I'd be okay. People that, that I've spoken to about that didn't know, right. know you personally, but I would always say, yeah, there was this one person who told me I needed to go talk to somebody. And I was hard-headed, and I didn't. And for a few years after, I'll, I'll just say that had I taken your advice then, those few years after may have gone a little better for me. So I thank you no, again Nothing before it's time. You know my coin phrase, look a here, fit into, and behoop. <laughs> and this is to anyone right. listening. Look a here. The moment you know something is not right, the see something, say something, no, do something. It's actually going to be for the good of your life. Fintu, the longer you delay the inevitable, you're going to continue to receive the same results because you can't escape the person who's carrying all of this stuff in their wagon. So do something for you. That Fintu, you want to do something before something happens because there's so many of us walking around as time bombs and we're not equipped to handle the things when they always come up. But the resources are here. They're available to us. The military is finally getting better. They've always been just a half step in front of the vets in their needs. There are people writing grants for, for various reasons, mental health particularly. So it's one step. If, if I can leave the, the audience with anything, make the call. It's the best thing that you'll do for yourself. And it behooves you to do so because the world we live in is not equipped to help vets. That's why the homeless rate for vets who are misunderstood on the street, families don't know how to reach them or what to do for them. If you want any sense of normalcy, you want any sense of restoration back in your life, it behooves you to reach out for help. Thank you for that. And also, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Um, I know you could have been doing a ton of other things, but you chose to, to be with me today. And I really, really, really appreciate it. 
And I'm sure that the words you've said have, are going to make a difference in someone's life mm-hmm. who may be listening. So with that said, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And as always, may God keep you. May God bless you. And may God continue to be with you. 